great when you've got a, a friend that like works at a fast food restaurant or something, and when you go in there, you end up getting free food from him. <laughs> if any of you guys have heard me preach before, you know that I'm tricking you right now, because uh, that's actually stealing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, we're gonna get to that later, Sasha. <laughs> I'm really sorry for whoever yelled out like real loud. Amen. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, both you and your friend are stealing from that business. Isn't it? Isn't it awesome though? When like a buddy buys a worship album that really blesses him, and he burns it onto his onto his computer, and then gives you the CD. Don't you love that? Ah, ah, see, now you've caught on. Now you've caught on. See, that's also stealing, which is punishable by death. <laughs> if it's my worship album. <laughs> no, seriously, even if you've read a, a great book that, like, really blessed you and, you know, it really sank into your spirit, and then you give that book away so someone else could get the revelation from that book... It's actually stealing from the author. Yeah. I mean, some authors wouldn't like necessarily mind, but don't you think that they wrote that book so it could be purchased, so they could support their family? And if that book's already sunk into your spirit and you got the revelation from it, then you don't need that book anymore. You give it to someone else, but they should have bought it. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Isn't this fun, guys? Don't you love this message so far? Have you ever been late for work or, or, for, or for church, been late for church, and you're flying down 635 at 10, 15 miles an hour over? You've just become a lawbreaker. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. Bunch of lawbreakers in here. Man, isn't it great when someone tells you a secret and you're able to tell it to someone else because you know that they're really good at keeping secrets? <laughs> oh, man. Isn't it fun to be confronted with the depth of your own depravity? <laughs> You know that most of the church, we actually think that this is our job to enforce like the rules of the law on the world, on our family, on our church. Like we're we're the intergalactic policemen. <laughs> and um, it's actually really easy to preach a message like this, where it's you know get your act together message. Because it actually, uh, it appeals to something inside of us, that, that inner striving to work about our own righteousness. It actually feels good. Have you guys ever been in a service where the preacher is just straight up preaching like the heaviness of the law and there are people going like, amen, hallelujah, brother. And you're like, no, don't, don't agree with that guy. <laughs> Seriously, or like the, some, a preacher drops like one of the heaviest, like non-grace phrases or, or sentences ever. And, and there are people that are like, yo, he's preaching good now. I've been waiting for one of those messages. 
it actually appeals to something inside of us to want to try to control sin, to want to try to manage sin, to want to use rules that we've come up with to try to make ourselves holy. One of uh, the most famous sections of scripture, <laughs> it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's, it's just like three chapters of all red. I love it. Do you guys want me to summarize that for you? Lusting equals adultery. Anger equals murder. Divorce equals adultery. Making oaths, that's from the evil one. You should let people punch you. <laughs> and then offer them your other cheek. <laughs> if someone wants to steal your shirt, you should give them your coat too. Love and pray for those who hate you. Give generously, secretly. Pray secretly. Man, that's hard, especially when you spent like four hours in the prayer room. <laughs> I just spent four hours in the prayer room. I'm shining, aren't I? <laughs> uh, forgive jerks. Fast secretly. Do not be ensnared by money or possessions. Never worry. Never judge people. Persevere in prayer. Choose the hard, narrow road. And then, if your righteousness doesn't surpass that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, if you, it's, it's nearly impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom. This is actually later on. It's Matthew 17. To which all the disciples lamented and said, Who then can be saved? If lust equals adultery, and divorce equals adultery, and anger equals murder, and you can never make an oath, and if someone's suing you for your possessions, you're to offer them more, who then can be saved? Seriously. Seriously, Jesus. You are painting a picture of holiness that is completely unattainable. Do you know why? Because it is unattainable for you. He had to attain it for you. This, way, this life of holiness was impossible for us. It's only a holiness that he could buy for us. You know, a lot of uh, Paul's ministry was just cleaning up messes that baby Christians made. Seriously, if you read his letters to the churches, you're like, seriously, those churches are like idiots. Like, don't they know that, that you know, they're not supposed to turn communion into like a food gorging session? And like, <laughs> don't, don't they know that they're not supposed to um, sleep with their husband's wife? I mean, their, their father's wife? Never mind. I mean, these are, these are the things that, like, Paul was addressing in the churches, complete messes. And, um, you know, there, there are several scriptures, that, you know, that, that go through that kind of stuff. But I would say that Paul's absolute favorite message, his favorite thing to talk about, was how Jesus overcame the power of the law so that we can now live by the Spirit. He loved it. 
he would go on for entire chapters just talking about this mystery that, that now we get to live by the Spirit. He would sum it up in some of the most beautiful ways where, you know, he would say things like Galatians 5.16, if you live by the Spirit, you won't gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. New Testament over. <laughs> live by the Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. Enjoy Him. And you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. At times it seemed like he was even like reassuring himself and reminding himself about how awesome this reality is that he gets to live in. You can, he, 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 there's this beautiful section where he's like fleshing out this battle that's going on inside of him. And then he, he gets right into that. I mean, it starts off in like Romans 6 and then he, Romans 8 is this beautiful crescendo where he says, but now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Say it with me. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You know what made Paul the angriest? What was going on in the Galatian church? He said that you started in the spirit. Are you now trying to perfect yourself by human effort? He's basically saying you are emptying the cross of Christ of its power by your pride in thinking that you can fix yourself. It made him furious. If you read Galatians, there's some serious stuff in there. I mean, <laughs> he really takes it seriously. If you, if you, Philippians 1.6 says this, he who started a good work in you, who is that? Who started a good work in you? Was it you? Did you start the good work in you? Did you like wake up one day and say, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be righteous today. And then did it work? <laughs> <laughs> now, who started the good work in you? Jesus. Say it loud and proud. Jesus. Jesus, a.k.a. the Holy Ghost, Spirit of Christ, started this good work in you. And then it goes on to say, Philippians 1.6, he will be faithful to carry it to completion. Yes. Now, that is good news. I mean, that's, that's what the gospel actually means, right? Good news. If there was any element of the way we were supposed to be sanctified in the Old Testament involved in our life right now, it would be bad news. <laughs> did, did you guys catch that? If, if, we, if we started integrating, like, how to uh, gain forgiveness of sins uh, from, like, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, it would be really bad news. All of your pets would be slaughtered and burned. <laughs> I mean, you would need to really set up some serious traps to set, you catch enough animals to pay for your sins. You'd have to lure in a lot of dove. <laughs> that would be bad news, right? You know, 
Paul did have some practical teachings too. You know, he, he definitely addressed a lot of, you know, the issues of life. Um, he addressed marriage. You know, let me sum it up for you. Uh, he would rather you get hitched than burn with passion. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. In, in other words, die. Die for your wives. Passing up three jokes and moving on. <laughs> wives, honor. Submit to your husbands. Don't get divorced. And if you divorce for any reason other than uh, marital unfaithfulness, then get remarried, then you will be in adultery. Okay, so that's, those are some practical teachings. He taught on church life, um, like what orderly worship looks like. Everybody comes with something to give the church. He taught on the Lord's Supper. He taught about widows and orphans. He taught about money. Said, you know, it, you got to provide for your family. It, he's, He's actually speaking to Timothy, who's a spiritual son. It's not a letter to the church. It's a letter to his spiritual son, who is like carrying on his mantle. Paul is addressing, and so he, we get this behind the scenes look of Paul's heart to like young men in, in First and Second Timothy. And he says this, if you don't provide for your own family, you've denied the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. Hmm. Some heavy stuff, Paul. You know, he, and he had other practical teachings, too. But I want to get back to this thing of, of holiness. Like I said, Jesus laid out a life a, uh, and actually talked about a list of requirements for holy living that was absolutely impossible for us to attain. Why would he do that? Why would he give us a list of righteous works that we have to perform, but we can't actually attain to? Do you think that maybe he gave us all those commands? They would create a frustration, they would drive home the depth of our need for a savior? so that when we're finally ushered into this place called grace, we would live eternally grateful for what he accomplished for us because we knew without a doubt we could never do it on our own. Do you think that was why? I think so. But Jesus, he didn't forget to tell us to sin no more. He would, he would heal people and then he would say, go and sin no more. Let me ask you this. If you um, were just a completely good for nothing drug addict on the street and Jesus walked up to you and undid your addictions and undid the wounds of your heart and restored your health and stood you up, and gave you a new life and told you to sin no more. Don't you think that that would affect you? How long do you think it would take before you sinned again? I'm serious. Do you think that that person would never sin again in their life? No. 
Do you think that if, if that were you, and you know, you, you went like a week or two or, or, or four days before you ended up you know, gratifying a sinful desire of your flesh, do you think that you'd feel terrible? Wouldn't you be frustrated? Wouldn't you feel like you just punched him in the face? He just healed me, redeemed me, gave me a new life, and all I had to do was not sin ever again. Like, ugh, I was redeemed by Jesus himself. When I was a, a young teenager, the, uh, the internet became like a household convenience. That makes me kind of old. I remember uh, when we, uh, in elementary school, got calculators. And it was like cutting edge technology to have calculators. <laughs> I mean, there's been so many in incredible uh, progress, so much incredible progress in the area of technology. It's just crazy. But that just makes me feel old. When I was born, there weren't really calculators. We had abacus. You know, is that what they're called? The, with the so anyway, the, the, uh, the internet came around and, and ended up in all, in all the homes. It wasn't just a fad. And you know, um, I tried so hard as a young teenager not to look at pornography. I tried so hard. I tried, as a young teenager, I tried my darndest not to lust after girls. Really tried. But I would actually, I would find myself back at that Pentium processor waiting five minutes for an image to download. You remember? It would take like five, ten minutes. We can laugh about this now. It's not sad anymore. It took like five to ten minutes for a picture because, the, I mean, the internet was so slow. Those computers were terrible. I'd be terrified that my parents might walk in. Is this hitting too close to home? Is this, is this touching some hot buttons? I grew up in the church, not in like the bad way where you hated the pews. Uh, we didn't have pews. The only pew I knew were the sounds my toy gun made. <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> I loved the Holy Ghost, but try so hard not to gratify the desires of my sinful flesh and fail. I realized after, I mean, I would, I would set up all these rules and all these guidelines in my life to try to like live holy. And there was no regimen that worked. There was no set of rules that I could rely on. They would keep me from doing the things that I wanted to do. And I ended up not being able to do the things that I wanted to do in the Lord. Does that sound like someone you've heard of? It's Paul in Romans chapter 6. He, he's like the hero of our faith. And he's saying, I see that there's another work. There's another law waging war inside of me against the law of the Spirit. It's his flesh. 
See, there was no logical process that could keep me from sinning. When I was 14 years old, trying to think, you know, trying to not lust after a girl, if this thought came into my mind, you know, where they teach it to try this, that's someone's daughter. It didn't work. Or, you know, that's someone else's wife, Jeremy. It didn't work. In Colossians, Paul talks about um, these, these rules. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. These indeed have an appearance of wisdom, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. In other words, if you are trying to be perfected and avoid sin by your own rules, then you've missed the person with the power. Some of the things that I did find that worked were, um, you know, just ridiculous, foolish things from Scripture that my pride hated, like confessing sin, despising the shame, and going to someone and confessing. Things that worked for me other crazy things from the word, just continually turning back to the Lord. But what really began to uh, uh, change me in, in a more permanent way was getting a revelation of his kindness. That he's so abundantly, overwhelmingly kind. That his nature is forgiving. He's slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, faithful to forgive. He's the Lord. This is our Father. He's the kind of Father that doesn't hold sin over your head against you. He's a sympathetic high priest who's gone through it all. He's been tempted in every way and yet didn't sin. And so that when you come to him in any, caught in any trespass, he will restore you gently. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. King David, the most, probably the most glorious king of, of Israel other than Jesus himself, he, he, he won so many battles. He was such an amazing warrior, such an amazing poet, such an amazing leader. At the end of his life, the one thing he said that made him great was not his armies, was not his strategy, was not his tactics, was not, you know, planting his kingdom by good water. There, the one thing that made him great, he said, it is your gentleness that has made me great. He had a revelation of the Lord's kindness and gentleness that he would deal easily with him. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? That's like asking the question, um, How does a skunk not stink? <laughs> how can a young man, hormones raging, keep his way pure? This is verse 9 of Psalm 119. It says, By keeping it according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
keeping it according to your word. And even that was a prophecy. Even that was something that could not be fulfilled until the word, the real word was revealed. No matter how hard we tried, our flesh could not become word. So the word had to become flesh. No matter how hard we try, our flesh will not become word. The word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. What was impossible for God to do, what was impossible for us to do, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful man to be our offering for sin. And he condemned in his body sin in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Guys, have you ever read that before? Romans 8, 3, the righteous requirements of the law are met in us. We don't have to strive anymore. We just have to turn to him. We just have to turn to him. We just have to believe and receive. We just, if we get a revelation of his kindness, it will empower grace that says, that teaches us to say no to ungodliness, like it says in Titus. For the grace of God that appeared to all men has appeared to us and it trains us to say no to ungodliness. It's grace. It's forgiveness over and over and over until you realize he's not going to stop forgiving you. And all of a sudden your tastes are changed. All of a sudden is the wrong word. Over sometimes a lifetime of this beautiful walk called submitting your will to the Lord, your tastes get changed. It's called a walk, not an arrival. There's a lot of preaching going on where, you know, we're waiting for a moment, this spectacular thing to happen where, you know, we're divorced from our flesh for, you know, while we're still in our body. That's not going to happen, guys. He's called our daily bread because we get to go to him every day. And we get to experience his love, acceptance, and power every day. And it empowers us to say no to ungodliness. And we get to actually enjoy the pleasures of his kingdom in this day and age. We're not waiting for a party when we're dead. We actually get to bring the party to earth now. the end of that verse in Romans 8, 3, it says that we do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. You know, I, I woke up this morning um, wanting to teach a message on integrity, and that's what you got at the beginning of this message. Did it feel good? You remember me throwing your sin in your face? It's actually, um, there is a shift coming to the whole body of Christ. I love the word shift. He's taking us. 
up to a brand new level. I grew up driving stick shift cars. I loved shifting because it meant I got, I got to go a lot faster. He's bringing a shift. So what you're going to start to hear from, from preachers and churches and people all over the body of Christ is about His grace and His nature and His forgiveness. And sin management is a thing of the past. Sin management will be known as confessing. because we're actually going to feel the fear of the Lord. There's this mysterious verse in Psalm where it says, um, with you, with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. We're really going to get a revelation of his mercy and forgiveness and the real fear of the Lord will be released. It's really easy to preach messages on judgment and get your act together. It really is. You just list off a, a whole bunch of rules. That's why there were the, the Pharisees that could operate the way that they did. Everyone would come to them so they could be beaten over the head with the rod of Moses. That's actually the thing that kept Moses out of the promised land was communicating God is angry. I'm not going to get into that, but I just want you to know that God is not angry. He loves you. You can tell him anything. Um, the Holy Spirit is actually going to set some of us free, or all of us free, of addictions today. We're going to try something uh, new. And uh, Jared, why don't you come up and do some that great music that you do. I was texting with uh, Vincent during uh, worship. Sorry, Jared. Um, and he... <laughs> integrity. <laughs> and he said, if you, feel, if you feel the same level of heaviness in the room that I feel, then I hope you're going to address it. And I said, well, what I'm going to do is accentuate it, and I'm going to put heavy burdens on everyone's shoulders until they realize that they can't do it without Jesus. And right then, Tracy got up, and she said, there's a real heaviness in the room. <laughs> she's right. Y'all, we, we've been trying to perfect ourselves by our own efforts again. Silly wabbit, the laws for the Hebrews. <laughs> we have Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We can actually just approach his throne with confidence and receive mercy. We can actually just go to him in whatever state or whatever screw up we've been in and receive mercy. We can look at him and be changed into his image. I 
want to be a professional Jesus starer at her. <laughs> a Jesus gazer. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what we're going to do. But while Jared's playing, we're going to try something different. Um, the ministry team will be up here to pray for y'all if, uh, um, if you want to come up to specific uh, ministry members. But if what I've been talking about today has hit home, especially with that message, uh, the story of just dealing with lust, pornography addictions, anything that is entangled in your soul, what I actually want you to do is go to someone in this room that you trust and talk to them about it. And then the person who's hearing, you do what it says in 1 John where it says, you're forgiven. I forgive you. He forgives you. You're forgiven. I don't want you to give three-step processes of how to walk out of this addiction. I want you to release the Lord's forgiveness today. I know this is, this is different than most, most church services you've ever been to, but what I want you to do right now, let's dim the lights a little bit. Set the mood for tears. No, I'm just kidding. So let's stand up. This is gonna take boldness, y'all, to do what the Bible prescribes. You confess your sins to one another and he'll be faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So let's do it.